the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, in a few moments, we'll talk with Michael Volpe, uh, my old friend Michael Volpe, who does investigative work over uh, in the area, not exclusively, but generally in the area of family law and the family courts and courts that impact uh, what's going on inside our families. It's a, you know, you talk about lawfare. uh, That's a place where things have gotten out of hand. But uh, we'll also play again. I want to replay the Todd Ben interview from yesterday and maybe it was the day before i talked to him he's down at the border and you need to go to toddbensman.com center for immigration studies cis.org follow him on twitter bensman todd b-e-n-s-m-a-n bensman todd at bensman todd guys on top of everything if you listen to that today's the day you know may 11th is the day that there's been uh, this massive changeover earlier uh, uh the title 42 is gone it's a law that limited uh people coming into the country and now the Bi- biden administration has set things up so it's uh oh, you know uh, flooding uh, us uh in this country an onslaught I-, I told someone it's not an invasion because they're being let in it's an invasion when somebody stops you from coming and you can't come in. So we'll come back to that in a moment, what you need to know. But first, let me touch on this um, uh, CNN uh, the, the other night, CNN Town Hall with Donald Trump, where the um, the host, Caitlin Collins, I think that's her name, Caitlin Collins, was, I think, the best way to describe it is, um, uh, actually, John Schlafly was texting me during it, and he had a good phrase about it. He said it was this uh, nipping at the uh, heels of Donald Trump. It was kind of ankle biting over things it, it seemed uh petty ankle biting that's a phrase he used great old phrase it seemed petty it seemed um silly it seemed demeaning uh, to herself and trump relatively uh with some exceptions i'd say sort of soared above it uh, he looked serious he looked adult i really liked when he pulled out of his pocket the uh the, the the tweets that showed he was saying be peaceful around january 6th i i, I thought it was exceptional so CNN goes obnoxious. They didn't go hard at him. They just went obnoxious. But I think it was a win-win for everybody. Trump looks bigger. Trump looks more serious. Trump on the economy in Ukraine was phenomenal, I think, for Americans. They, I think that people generally, most Americans were like, yep, I'm there with you. And then he fought back on the other stuff. He talked about how, you know, you can't get a jury trial in D.C. right now because they poisoned the waters. He said the same thing in New York for him. Alluding to his uh, the, the problems that uh, in this you know a recent uh, thing lawsuit, um, so I thought it was excellent. I thought it was excellent. Win win for everybody. CNN wanted the ratings; they got a ton of ratings. CNN knows, and it was smart timing for them. I don't know if it was negotiated long before. Really smart timing for CNN because th- they know that a lot of conservatives and MAGA people are looking up and going, maybe Fox is being silly with what they did to Tucker. Or, or worse than silly, you know, being really spiteful and being uh, not on, on the side of conservatism. So CNN gets a look from a whole bunch of conservatives. I'm not sure they're going to stay, but I, you know, they get the point. And it was uh, very smart on all sides. Win win on all sides. All right, but lose 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 in America is, um, and it's why it's a lose lose. 
the 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 onslaught i call it i don't call it an invasion and i, and I don't blame the people that are coming here i blame the biden administration but once happens why it's a lose-lose is because our nation we the people the citizens we the citizens lose because we're it's a lawless country the country's become lawless because biden won't do it on a recognizable massive thing it, it, it you know it's not like speeding on the on the interstate you know the, the speed limit's 70 and everybody goes 80 well that may that's not quite the same lawless as opening the borders and and having documented incidents of terrorist types terrorist watch list people having documented incidents of of sex trafficking having documented incidents not even incidents so you know occurrences that's a better word of drug dealing and fentanyl and everything else lawlessness so it's a lose it's a loser it's a loss for we the citizens of this country but here's where i tell you it's a, it's a problem it's a lose lose because the people coming are coming into a place where it's it's happening in such a way i do feel like more americans are kind of fed up with it we we generally are understanding that hey you know if i wasn't in america i'd want to get here too but at this point, the way people are coming is is such a negative. It's it's dividing us. And and at a certain point, what I tell people is, you can say that these people are incompetent, how they run government, how they don't enforce the law, how they decide things. At a certain point, I call it the eighty twenty rule. Eighty percent of the liberals on the left think that they're doing something right. Uh, you know that by by destroying institutions, by undercutting institutions, by denigrating the rule of law, by it's you know limiting the free speech, whatever they think. Oh, we're we're just doing the right things. We got to do this. Twenty percent, the leaders know that they're destroying the country. I, I believe that there are people who truly want to destroy the country. They are generally zealots of the type that say things like, you know, capitalism doesn't work. We got to get rid of it. Look, capitalism is the worst system except for every other system. But what capitalism requires and free markets require is ethical people. And if you're not ethical, then that's right. You can make it really bad for people. But that's not what happened in America. It's not what's happening in America. And so it's it's what we're seeing is a lose-lose. And the lose-lose is for we the people, we the citizens, and for the people coming. And you sit back and say to yourself, who's winning? And the only group winning, in a way, is the people that have power. And, and I think the people that have power are mostly taking care of themselves and each other. You don't have to go to the Biden crime family to see that pretty blatantly. But it's true of all the people in the regime. They're, 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 they're covered. They're covered. They're covered because they're special. And they're special because there's got to be somebody that rules this stuff. You know, you're, we're, we're for the people. We're, you know, we're for the working people. We're, we're communists, except we got to have somebody in charge. That always happens. So it's a lose-lose at the border. And it's just stunning that it's happening to America. And it's, it's not one that's easy to recover from. We're going to have to recover from this by closing the border, admitting it was wrong, and then finding a way to accept the people who came that way and a system that delivered that and the stresses that will be there because we don't have as much of an assimilation machine. It's a big challenge. That's what you need to know. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We'll, uh, we will talk with uh, Michael Volpe, but we'll also play that replay that Todd Benzman interview. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, I've been telling you, I'm counting down till May 11th because that's the day that Title 42 ends and the uh, onslaught or, or the, uh, over, the overrunning of America continues. Uh, and our friend uh, Todd Benzman is down, uh, headed to the border. We'll get more reports this week, I hope. I don't want to take too much of his time. But he's, of course, the, is of course the author of the uh, book uh, Overrun about Joe Biden's terrible policies. Uh, and uh, although I'm sure he's proud that he was ahead of his time in terms of seeing this problem, I bet he wishes it wasn't so dramatically true. So uh, here we are, Todd. Hey, listen, in the last days before uh, the 11th, this transition day, what's the reality? I mean, it looks just like everybody's bracing. They sent military guys down there to, I don't know, control away from the border. Uh, Biden was claiming it was because they were away from the border to to control the the onslaught and uh, and the, the, that way the Customs and Border Patrol could control the onslaught? What, what's the reality? Well, the reality is that all of the uh, detention infrastructure, the extra expanded soft-sided tents, the giant auditorium-sized spaces that they created uh, for the end of Title 42 to manage the people, uh, ostensibly to kick uh, most of them back to Mexico, are filled. They're already at capacity. They were already at capacity 10 days before the end of Title 42. And so um, I don't know how they're going to uh, manage this without at least some place to put people unless they just simply release them right away on their own recognizance just to be able to manage this. And so I kind of half expect that to be the case just because everything's filled up already. And by the way, it's filled up. What's filled up is the this huge expansion of soft-sided, I think they put up uh, seven or eight massive soft-sided facilities. They're already filled up with the thousands and thousands of people that have been giving up, turning themselves in and giving themselves into processing uh, into the United States. And, and, and most of them that turn themselves in are being released into the United States on personal recognizance papers. We're talking with Todd Benzman again. His book is overrun. Toddbenzman.com is where you can, uh, uh, where you can get his book. Um, that's the best place to see us. He's over at the center for immigration studies, the senior national security fellow. So what's likely to change on the 11th? Is there anything I remember you telling me, and I maybe heard another commentator saying that there are people masked you know, away from the border, but getting ready for, will you be able to see something different? Yes. Uh, You know, for example, right now the Haitians are afraid to go over because for them, Title 42 return means potentially a flight all the way back to Haiti. And they've spent a lot of money getting far already and they don't have the money to do it again. So that's just debilitating for the Haitians and they are waiting for Title 42 to go away so that they can as easily be flown back to Haiti. Uh, one town that I'm going to tonight is Reynosa, and there's about, uh, Mexico, there's about 15,000 Haitians there. Uh, I visited them uh, a week before last, and they were kind of waiting to see whether the first ones of them that try to cross get in. And everybody's just waiting to see if those who go before them, the brave souls and the, and the first vanguards, actually get in 
or are deported under Title VIII, the new, the new thing, Title VIII expedited removal. Uh, if it looks like they're going to get in, then all those people masked up on the border can be expected to just rush it everywhere they can, wherever they can get across. If they can touch U.S. soil and claim asylum, they can sidestep expedited removal by, by saying the right magic words. I think that's what I'll be looking for. Uh, I anticipate that they will be let in. I've been watching the administration actually let them in the ones uh, over the last few weeks that have been trying, that have been just flouting Title 42 and taking their chances and they're being rewarded with personal recognizance releases at the bus stations. There they all are. Uh, and by the way, a reporter uh, two days ago asked my orcas at a press conference in El Paso, why are you releasing people on their own recognizance you said you were going to use title 42 all the way to the end and he right. said that's not true i'm um, we're 42ing everybody back but i'm here to tell you that is a complete lie they're letting everyone in uh on personal recognizance i personally have interviewed a great many of the immigrants that crossed illegally in recent weeks and asked them to produce their papers and i read their papers, and those are personal recognizance, you know, uh, on the honor system, check in in Chicago or Denver when you get there in the next year or so. so uh, that's just a flat-out lie. Oh, we're talking with Todd Benzman again, toddbenzman.com. You can see his book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Um, uh, Todd, I-, I hate to be this simple, but will there be images that are capable of being shown? I mean, can somebody take up a drone and show the size of the crowds? I mean, you know, is there a, you remember, you might not remember, but it was one of the most considered one of the most powerful ads was um, the, uh, um, the governor's race in California. I think in 96, I can't governor Wilson. I think he's reelection. And, and they, they showed that the ad opens with black and white images. And they say, they just keep coming and they show illegal uh, immigrants sort of rushing through the toll booths at the border, like, you know, overrunning them. Will there be images? I, I, I mean, we're a visual people where uh, uh, the drama matters. Is there something we're going to see that will make it clear or is it sort yes, of like, I mean, okay. I mean, yes, they, they sure. I mean, uh, this is going to be two parts. There's going to be what, what one that you can see. Those are the give ups. I was just in Juarez. Look at my Twitter feed. I was in Brownsville the week before last, and I shot those videos. I saw it and shot it myself. There were thousands and thousands of people crossing, burning themselves in. I don't know if the media is going to show it, but I saw it and shot it and put it up on Twitter. Mm -hmm. The other part that you won't be able to see are the runners and the gotaways. That, as Border Patrol gets shifted over to processing the give-ups, all those thousands of give-ups that you'll be able to see, it opens up the flanks out in the rural areas for groups of runners who know that they're not going to get in if they give themselves up. Those numbers should go up. That happens late at night in the wilderness, and you probably will not be able to see that uh, just a few months ago in uh, December, January, in El Paso sector alone, 
They logged 32,000 in uh, each month in just the one sector. Uh, that, those numbers have gone down, but I think that they're already on the rise. We had 17,000 gotaways in that sector uh, last month, and I think it'll be uh, in the 20s and 30s again by the time we get this month's numbers. Those you won't be able to see, but it's very much a part of this border crisis. The, the runners and the gotaway. And there's one other thing that you won't see, and that is the CBP-1 application app uh, r- reservation system, uh, where in the Darien app, they're setting up these huge processing centers for people to apply for humanitarian permission slips, like in Colombia and Panama. And then we're going to fly them by air into American airports. That's the Mm. plan. Uh, There are thousands and thousands uh, of people on their way through through the Darien Gap. And the idea is that we don't want them to be seen. So we're going to fly them in by air into American cities. And that is just, to me, an outrageous abuse of... um, Congressional authority that you have to have Congress agree to things like that. Uh, you can't just come up with a thing that just a brand new kind of, um, um, you know, admission system outside of Congress. And some of that same kind of thing will still be happening at the ports of entry in Mexico where they're bringing them in. They're expanding CBP one. So they're hoping to force most immigrants through that system. And you can't see that, but see. the immigrants are re- the immigrants are rebelling against CBP one because there's a wait. So if they see everybody getting in quicker by just crossing illegally, they're going to blow it off and come rushing in. And I think that's what's going to happen instead. I think CBP one is going to collapse uh, from disuse. Nobody, you have to have participants for that. The uh, uh, we're talking about again, Todd Bensman and uh, toddbensman.com uh, is his website. All right, Todd, you're headed down to the border. Um, what should we be looking for? I know, I know all this uh, drama. Is there, is there any chance that uh, uh, something changes or are we just headed towards? I mean, at this point, you don't think there's going to be a reversal or a court ruling or anything, right? Well, there are a few things. Um, you know, one is that. It's possible that they could, they could manage to deport enough immigrants quickly enough that it, it does create a deterrent. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's what I hope for anyway. I mean, I, I want egg on my face. Uh, if I'm being honest, you know, that my predictions, my doomsday predictions are wrong mm-hmm. and I'll be very happy to have egg on my face from this. But um, there is a big uh, court case making its way through a uh, federal court that, that would essentially eliminate this humanitarian parole authority around which much of the policy is based. Right. Uh, where they're trying to force people into Mexico to do CBP-1. If, if a judge rules against that thing, it could happen any time. That whole thing is off. Hmm. And so now what? Wow. Um, that's going to be it. And then another thing to watch for is uh, Greg Abbott is doing something very interesting uh, where he has closed one of the international bridges, the one 
from uh, Matamoros to Brownsville, uh, shutting down truck traffic, uh, commercial trucks by inspecting them, 100% inspections of every single truck coming out of Mexico. And that's to force Mexican authorities to stop the immigration on their side. I see. To break it up on their side. And uh, the, the, I'm, I'm told that the... Um, I'm told that the trucks are backed up five and ten miles huh. into Mexico, and uh, if that works, it'll be interesting to see if Abbott expands the bridge campaign to a whole bunch of other bridges into Texas. Hmm. Uh, well, that's that's that that, yeah, that's work, that right? yeah, that's you know, yeah, that that might get some attention. That's interesting. Um, all right, well, I got to run. Uh, Todd Benzman, be careful as always. Overrun is his book. Go to ToddBensman.com or Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org to follow him, all his stuff. I appreciate it, Todd. Be careful out there. Thank you. Uh, We will. uh, will Yep. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Don't forget, I'll put up on social media links to his stuff uh, and uh, what is happening uh, down there as you see it. Uh, We'll be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Michael Volpe and uh, see what he's investigated. He, uh, I often tell people when it comes to, you know, you're hearing a lot of people now, a lot of people accurately talk about the, um, the American, the reality of lawfare, of, you know, lawsuits against Donald Trump for uh, saying somebody lied. The jury actually finds that the woman was lying, or at least they didn't believe the woman, but somehow he's still in trouble for for defamation. You see uh, prosecutions uh, extending the, the the notion of prosecution in, in terms of uh, January 6th uh, in a way, one of the one of the charges, a felony charge in a way that is just completely not uh, uh, done before and strange that it's happening. It's not happening to Antifa or to pro uh, what is it? Code pink when they interrupted proceedings. So you see all these examples of what I would call lawfare and you you know we're not just in the selective prosecution uh description now it's the use of law against uh people well michael volpe and, and if you go over to michaelvolpe.substack.com uh his substack is called michael volpe investigates he has been for years now digging into how our legal system is used against in the way i would describe it michael many times what you're describing used against families used against uh individuals and as with a lot of things not everything, but a lot of things. You follow the money and you discover w- what's going on. In other words, uh, the old um, Hoffer uh, uh, adage, you know, every great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business and degenerates into a racket. Uh, we're in the mm-hmm. racket stage and a lot of things. So welcome, Michael Volpe. How are you today? I'm good. That That is correct. Uh, and the case we're going to talk about today, it's uh guy named Max Black, who actually has changed his name. He used to be called Dustin Zink, uh, against his ex-wife, Christy Black. It's in Orange County, California. And you follow the money on this one. Mm-hmm. Their divorce started in 2014. It's still not over. They're, they still technically don't have a, a permanent arrangement for their three kids, though they live with their mom consistently. So presumably when they have a finalized arrangement, it'll, it'll be something near that. They haven't finalized anything. There's been... Lawyers, uh, garden at litem, lots of judges, uh, evaluators all appointed 
on the case. Some of them are still on the case. Others are gone. Uh, dad's had at least two lawyers. Mom's had lawyers. It's going on nine years. Follow the money, that, of course. Um, and so I watched a hearing yesterday. So the first thing, it's it was just amusing to me. Orange County, California, the judge's name is Judge Adrienne Marshak. I'm watching this thing on Zoom, and right next to her name, she puts she, her. Right, and I right. Thought, <laughs> even in Orange, oh. even even in Orange County, are, are those are those elected positions? Do you happen to know off the top of your head? I'm not sure if she's. I think so. Yeah, right. I don't know if she is. I know some judges in California are, wow. but I don't know if she is. But yeah, she puts she, her right next to her name. And by the way, she looks like she's out of an '80s punk rock music video. But regardless, uh, that wasn't my main problem. So again, this thing is going on ten years. And mom, Christy, was awarded the house many years ago. Uh, and then she had a flood some time ago, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. And she tried to get the insurance. And they wouldn't give it to her because her ex snuck himself back on the insurance. And so now she's dealing with two bureaucracies, the homeowner's insurance and the court. So she goes into the court and she says, since the house is mine, can you remove him from the title or at least order him to be removed from the insurance so I can get the money. And, and she sent me a few photos of her house and you know, it's not really that livable, but you know, she's going out of pocket right now. And this judge looked for any reason not to do it. So to leave her in squalor and then his lawyer, uh, he claims, well, he needs to be on the insurance to protect himself because if she fails to pay the insurance monthly, he can pay it. But it turns out he has no financial interest. So he's not protecting anything. He's doing this just to screw with his ex-wife. And the judge allowed it. And this was, I listened for an hour, and then I had to go. This hearing, I think, went for two, two and a half hours. We're nine years in. They both had lawyers there. Three, two, three, four hundred dollars an hour. Those guys made eight hundred dollars. And that's just on that particular hearing. Is they, um, you were talking Michael Volpe. Michael, pull back for a second. Give me give me a pullback on on what you've seen. I, I can. One of the things I like about you is that, um, uh, and I, you and I have interactions off uh, the air and and an email and others. Is you clearly care about this? Like it clearly it, it gets you it gets you amped up. Um, but pull back for a second broadly. I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you because it'll it'll send you into a little bit of a riff. I think this is getting worse, right? I mean, the whole sort of system is kind of collapsing in on itself, meaning not so much that it's actually collapsing. It's still working pretty well, I think, for people. But it, it's actually this is just becoming common that, 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 you know, you really can't you can't understand what's happening to people. There's not a lot of good judgment. And that, that and that is damaging kids and and families right it's gotten worse and worse in your in your experience now over these years not necessarily i think what's happened is a lot more of it is coming out it's oh. a lot less in the dark i disagree it's not that it's getting worse uh, and technology plays a huge role this was in orange county california i live in chicago illinois i didn't fly there i watched Interesting. it zoom yeah uh, part of this is and i noticed it immediately during covid I listened to it was a, it was just through the, the phone. I listened to a hearing in Arizona and I'm like, my God, I think we're going to be able to watch and listen to hearings all around the country. And I don't know that it's getting worse. I think that a lot more of it is coming out because it's being put on the Internet. It's easier 
to watch and listen. And and a few more people are covering it. There's uh, Hannah Dreyfus over at ProPublica has done a series on it. Uh, other people have done a, done series on on these things. And so from bigger places. So mm. I don't know that it's getting worse. I see. I OK, OK. That's interesting. But you're seeing it more. All right. Now, back to this case, yeah. Christy Black. Um, mm-hmm. What What is the sort of, uh, you know, my, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, and you and I have talked about this. She wrote a book called Who Killed the American Family? And one, one of the big uh, uh, one of the big descriptions and, and assertions was the the changes in the family courts and the and the custody and all and how, you know, bureaucracies had started to take the values away from uh, take away from people. Lots of things. It was against the values that we had signed on to as a nation. So she she's uh, in this. But one of the things she used to say is, OK, I got the problem. What what do we do about it? In this case, for Christy Black, what's the way forward? Are, 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 is she counting on this judge or, or is there an appeals judge if it doesn't get handled? I mean, what what happens? next she actually she is planning on appealing ironically she's planning on appealing this this i believe a lot of different things like i think christy has some money i uh, the, the thing is you know even warren buffett maybe not buffett I, almost everyone will run out of money if you're dealing with this long enough uh, she has some money. She She's fairly well off but th- th- this process will just brutalize you the thing about appeals is uh, you, know, you can try them on your own, good luck. But a, a, an appeals lawyer is very, very expensive. But yeah, she's going to look. She what, what she'll have to do is whatever the the costs to fix her house are, she'll have to pay them and hope that at some point the the homeowners they have the money. They're holding it. I don't know if it's called escrow, but they're holding it. They won't release it because it's not clear who it's supposed to be released to. There's a surreal moment when the judge swore them both in and said to Dad, uh, Dustin or Max. Uh, did you did you get the insurance money? No. Christy, did you get the insurance money? No. Well, if you look at the photos, somebody better be getting the insurance money. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. And she's like, no, it's fine. The, the, here's the problem. And I see it all the time. Courts, unlike the private sector, they're not trying to solve problems. Right. They they, they don't care if this thing goes on for 20 years because the lawyers make money and all these other people make money. You know, I've walked into the UPS store and they were trying to solve my problem because if they didn't solve my problem, they didn't get paid. And it's just it's completely different with these courts. You can appeal it. Of course, you can appeal anything. But it, it, that's theoretical. Usually most people don't have the money or the resources for an appeal. Right. And, and also, um, that's a, but by the way, that's a great, uh, my daughter is home from college uh, for the summer. And I just was actually telling her, I think maybe yesterday I was saying what you need to do in, 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 in professional relationships is solve people's problems. Don't, yeah. don't cause them more problems. Solve people's problems. All right. Now let me go follow the money, Michael. My, we're talking with Michael Volpe again. Uh, his substack is always worth looking at. It's Michael Volpe investigates. He takes, he digs into things that most people don't see and don't, well, a lot of times it's things they don't see, which is great, but also things people just don't, don't take the time to dig into. So you should check it out. Michael Volpe, V-O-L-P-E dot substack dot com, a frequent guest on the program. Uh, Michael, and he, he comes out of a journalism, investigative journalism background. And, uh, now I would say he's kind of a cross between an investigator and it's kind of a, an activist because he's willing to say, hey, call out the, the bad actors. Um, in this uh, matter now, um, is, is, one of the pl- uh, is one of the players here the insurance companies? I mean, I'm not, I, I hate insurance companies on principle, but I mean, of course, we need them. We need to be able to get insurance so that we can take risk. And I, people that say, oh, I hate all insurance companies, they should all go away. Well, you, you wouldn't drive your car because you'd be afraid if you've got an accident, they take your home. So you need insurance, but I do hate them and I hate the way they do things. Is part of this that the insurance company is slow walking the money or don't you see that? 
Maybe. If you ask Christie, that's true. The insurance company isn't saying, but it's a lot of money. And if they're not clear who it's supposed to go to, uh, you know, they're on on the hooks. Right. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, But, you know, they, uh, yeah, look. It's absolutely true that they definitely want your money, but when you're required to get it, they're not that quick to get it to you. Well, I was about to solve the problem, and then I realized that you will explain to me how dumb that is. I was just going to say, you know, you could watch this and you'll be like, Ed, Ed, what have you learned? But I'm learning. I was going to say the court could say to the insurance company, (laughs) give us the money and we'll pay the contractor to repair it. And of course, we both know what ends up to, what ends up happening there is the court takes a cut for handling and for maintenance and hires a bureaucrat and hires a special master and hires a dingle popper. And the next thing you know, you're I have friends that are doing probate, for example, and they're spending tens of thousands of dollars to have some special master explain to them how they can get their mom's money. You know, it's crazy. So I'm, I take it all back. But I'm just wondering if there's some way uh, legislative or otherwise. The court could write an order or, or I don't know if it would be an order. The court could certainly send something to the insurance company saying there is a uh, confusion as to who is on the house. However, uh, the court uh, would like to direct the insurance company to, to send the check to Christy right. as, as we have determined that she is the proper occupant. They can do that. They can remove him from the, the, the crazy part is, like, I think it was 2019. He was ordered to not have any financial interest in the house, but somehow he's still on the deed. That's right. really the problem. The problem is you have an order that's not really executed. I see that all the time. We've talked about it before. Uh, not orders. All orders are created equally. Sometimes there's an order, and if you don't follow it, you're in jail. Other times there's an order, and the judge says, I don't really care. And this is one of those times the judge doesn't seem to care. And but this is like the third or fourth judge on this case. So it's not just this lady, Marshak. They've had another guy named James Waltz. Other judge, Charmianto, I think she kept saying. Another guy. Obviously, it's been nine years. So right. they're, they're not... Uh, they're not following through on these orders, and that's where it gets complicated. And, and and the last thing, you will hear of these kinds of cases that have gone on five, seven, nine, ten years, and different people will tell you who is at fault. And let me tell you, the main player at fault is always the court. There, People will tell you these parents are at each other's throats. Parents are often at each other's throats. Uh, courts have a way to manage this if they want to. Uh, they don't always want to. If you hear of a case that's going on and on and on, the first person, the first entity that's responsible is the court itself. Um, uh, Michael, um, last uh, question for clarification. What is this a specialized court? Is this one of these um, specialized courts for for custody and, and uh, family or is this just in the I general circuit court? They, I think it's a district court. So okay. probably Marshak t- today is dealing with something completely different. Yeah. OK. And look, okay. They, they are supposed to these judges. Mm-hmm. That's not unusual. A judge right. should- the, the judge is supposed to be steep in the law, even right. custody. There's a law to it. So it's it's not supposed to be that hard. Yeah. Uh, well, I, my, 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 argue, my argument is I prefer that they be I prefer the regular district court have to handle them. I don't think they do it better. But those family courts really get to be cesspools of yeah, sort of yeah. insider gamesmanship and managing things in ways that you know, only guys like you that have really studied a number of these cases see the patterns. Here's where the patterns are. Here's what's happening. And in, in the generally when they're in the de- district 
district court, you're at least getting some level of each judge, as you say, looking at it. Maybe they could do better. That's true. But uh, I, I dislike a lot more the, the structure of those family courts because they end up really being, to me, rackets of, uh, of things that worry me. So, uh, Michael, I got to run. Michael Volpe, uh, thank you as always. Uh, his, his website, his Substack, michaelvolpe.substack.com. I will put it up on social media. He digs into these, uh, uh, issues, digs into these cases and highlights them. Uh, very helpful. So thank you, Michael, for the time. Anytime. Have a good week. All right. Michael Volpe, everybody. I will again put it all up on social media and, uh, I will link to his Substack and, uh, we'll, um, go from there. Hey, when we, when we remind, let me remind you, excuse me, go to proamericareport.com again and sign up for the daily wink. An email goes out 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. When you get that email, it will have links to this the conversation like I just had with, uh, Michael Volpe. I, you know, I had a conversation yesterday with Mark Herr, uh, about how the Southern Poverty Law Center has been, uh, influencing law enforcement. Well, there's a, there's a case that I missed of the Southern Poverty Law Center actually losing in court because of some of the things they were doing. So, uh, time and you can check that out also at ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When something is quintessentially American, we say that it's as American as mom, baseball, and apple pie. Yet there are those in America who've been attacking the role of mom for decades. My mentor, Phyllis Schlafly, was among the first and most effective voices to call out this dangerous political faction who wants to remove motherhood from the American experience. Though Phyllis has gone to her heavenly reward, her clear and concise reasoning still rings true today. As we turn our attention to Mother's Day this weekend, let's take a moment to trace the history of the American war on motherhood. Betty Friedan is largely credited with launching the modern feminist movement with her book, The Feminine Mystique, which called the home a comfortable concentration camp for women who take on the role of wives and mothers. Throughout the 1960s and 1970s, feminists screeched about wanting liberation from the home. Still today, schools praise our daughters when they talk about being surgeons and astronauts, but tell girls that want to be homemakers that they should aim for more. The feminist movement went into the 1980s and 1990s, spreading the false notion that women provide no unique value to this world. They claimed men and women are completely interchangeable in every way except for biology. With a message like this being taught, why should we be surprised when our culture has decided that motherhood is optional and gay couples should be allowed to adopt and raise children who will never experience a mother's love? Can two men really provide everything for a child that a mother and father can? I think not. Fast forward to today, when transgender hysteria has led to an attack on the very word mother. Now mothers are no longer allowed to be called mothers, but birthing people. This decline has got to stop. The irreplaceable contributions of mothers are what make our nation so great. Strong moms create strong families, and strong families create strong communities. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. You are loved, you are valued, and you could never be replaced. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For more than 50 years, Phyllis led the fight against the dead-end road of radical feminism. Today, with the rise of so many savvy young conservative women, new voices are emerging. You're invited to voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. 
Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin finishing up here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, real quick, I do want to point out something out. Cernovich, Mike Cernovich had a great tweet on this. Fantastic, actually. Do you think, do you really think that on the day that the the uh, Republicans in the House got the goods on the Biden crime family, do you think it just happens to be a coincidence that that's the day, the date, the exact day, that the Department of Justice indicts a Republican member of Congress, George Santos from New York State, New York up on Long Island. Of course not. Of course not. They were holding that, waiting for when they needed it. <laughs> they were holding that, and and they indict him on some sort of campaign finance fraud or something that, uh, if again, you you, you smell a, I, I, it smells to me like a hit job. I, I, again, George Santos seems to have lied about his record and his background, but that's not a distinguishing characteristic to a politician. I've never heard it uh, be such, but uh, he suddenly, amazingly, amazingly, on the date that Congressman Chairman Comer holds a massive press conference and said, here's the receipts on the Biden crime family, uh, nine members, not one, not two, nine members of the family. And now just by chance that day, they're going to indict uh, a congressman, a Republican congressman. Come on, man. As somebody said. All right. Uh, that's all we got. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great uh, producer, uh, Ryan Hyde, associate producer. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.